You're listening to the Faith Made Welcome podcast, a progressive podcast of faith where we look at Christianity from a progressive Baptist tradition. This podcast is brought to you by Commonwealth Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. So whoever you are, wherever you are, or whatever you think about faith, you're welcome here. Please let us know what you think about our podcast by subscribing to it or by sharing it with someone who may be looking for a podcast like this. And we would love to hear your feedback. So please leave us a comment or question on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Let's get started. Are you going to push? Have you already done it? Of course course you have. (laughs) Okay. Alrighty. So here we go. The first podcast of CBC. So who do we have in the room today? Pastor Marty Anderson. Mm -hmm. And I am Pastor Robin Anderson. And I'm not a pastor. I'm just Sherry Spiegel. The amazing Sherry Spiegel. Mm. Mm. Very true. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. Um, so we're recording a podcast, which I'm super excited about because podcasts are my favorite. Um, so CBC, Commonwealth Baptist Church, we decided we were going to start this podcast. Why? Why do we need a podcast, y'all? Well, the quick answer would be that Sherry Spiegel said we needed one. And so here we are. Um, The other answer would be that, you know, since we are uh, in this pandemic, our church can't be together. um, We thought that this might be a good way to have some sort of spiritual formation um, Mm -hmm. to go out with the throughout our church and beyond. So Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons. That sounds good. Robin, why'd you agree to do a podcast? Because it's for you. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I think that, that I agree with Marty that um, it's been hard during the pandemic to find different ways um, for the church to be together and mm-hmm. to have conversations or necessarily um, think deeply with one another about uh, our spiritual formation, speaking thinking spiritually about what's happening in the world and within us. Mm -hmm. Um, And that this kind of gives us an opportunity to do that, to think outside of the box a little Mm bit. Um, I think it's also an opportunity for our church, which is a little bit different from a lot of other churches, Mm -hmm. um, to maybe make space for conversation and dialogue that people might not necessarily know that some Christians have. Mm -hmm. A different side of Christianity. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. Um, You know, so you both use the term spiritual formation, and I'm actually a deacon at this church, and I use the term spiritual formation all the time. Um, But I wonder if all of our listeners and all of us in this room think about spiritual formation in the same way. So what is spiritual formation to Mm y'all? So I would say that, like, for people that grew up in church, uh-huh. um, they probably grew up with a model of, like, Sunday school. And Sunday school is, um, you know, like, memorizing scripture at certain ages or sitting and looking at the Bible and talking about what does this mean or maybe what does this mean and how does this apply to my life. Or Bible drills. Or Bible Ooh. drills. <laughs> um, but Should we take a moment and explain what Bible, Bible drills are? Oh, because yeah. It's like you line up and somebody calls out a, a book, a chapter, and a verse and says go. And whoever finds it first is the better Christian, of course. Clearly. He grew up doing those. <laughs> I did not. Neither did I. Um, did you win, out. Marty? Never. Oh, and I was a preacher's kid. So that looked bad on my family, but, you know. Shame upon your house. (laughs) But since we're talking about hope, there is hope for me. (laughs) You know, I still know the Bible a little bit. Um, To get back to spiritual formation. Yes, spiritual formation. I would say that spiritual formation is uh, a more holistic and less formulaic approach to what we would think of as Sunday school. Uh So spiritual formation is... um, 
maybe examining scripture, but maybe looking at it from what is this saying to me? What could God be saying to me through this? What may God want me to do through this? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the spiritual formation is um, thinking of how we connect with God. Um, it's it's a it's a deeper, more organic, to me, mm-hmm. approach to faith, study, prayer than the very modern view of our approach to Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with all of that. And I would probably add to that um, the element of having community to mm-hmm. grow um, in your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I have been missing is the Sunday morning Bible study group mm-hmm. that meets actually in this room where we're recording. And, you know, we, we've gone through some incredible books and we have journeyed together and we've had aha moments together Mm -hmm. and we've gone through some bad books and we have been tested and we have been um, we have resisted Mm -hmm. but we've done it together and um, to hear people's thoughts about faith in a room together just it, it it makes you grow and People doesn't don't like questions people's intentions about sharing. Mm-hmm. So you, you're you're spiritually just growing together, but also you're growing you know individually as your faith. So it's a, a community aspect mm-hmm. for me too. Yeah, I think one of the things I really like about how we do spiritual formation at this church is it really is focused on n- not so much like previous experiences I've had where it's been like the individual needs to be a better human. It's less of that, it seems sometimes, and it, it, I really do think of it more as that community element of like, let's come together and wrestle about how we mm-hmm. do this, how we get mm-hmm. better at it, uh, what does it look like together? And the together part is really important to me. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons a podcast felt good for this. Is It's an opportunity for us to be in a room, but then uh, maybe bring other people into the room later. Um, and also engage people in our community and try to figure out how do we keep doing this. And mm-hmm. hear people's comments or questions after these podcasts will mm-hmm. lead to more conversations and more community. And Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. So it's not a one and done. It's an ongoing thing and it requires other people. I like it. Um, so we came up with the idea of doing the podcast. We're doing it. Yes. Um, and then we decided, Marty, uh, you and I had some plotting and planning that we did. And we decided the first set of podcasts, we would sort of debrief after some special sermons coming through our church. So do y'all want to talk about the sermon series and what's happening in that? So I can talk about that because my friend Leah and I came up with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So my friend Leah, who's also a pastor, uh, she's in North Carolina. And I had conversation about um, making another way, I guess, to make most of this time when church is virtual and, you know, things are different, Mm -hmm. um, is we were thinking about the fact that that we had an opportunity where maybe small churches could come together and like pool resources to bring in speakers. And it's also a time when public speakers may not be having lots of gigs, right? Mm-hmm. So it could give them an opportunity to share and like reach another group. Um, and with all that was been going on this summer with, with protests and, um, you know, just all this stuff that's going on, we thought that this could be an interesting time for us to bring in preachers who are also activists, Mm -hmm. um, that it could be a time where they could share their faith stories with us in a way that could help uh, maybe more of us begin to process, how do I live out my faith? What does that mean to actively, right, live out my faith? Mm -hmm. And so we're doing this four-week preaching series um, that we're calling an activist preaching series. And the title is, All We Need Is dot 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 and each one of the preachers is filling in the blank what is it that they think that right the contemporary present-day church needs Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. 
And uh, it was also like um, just a good way for us to debrief after each sermon, like go in depth with um, like we're going to talk about hope today Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of dive into just a powerful sermon that uh, Judge Griffin preached last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be good and exciting, and I think it'll benefit our community and beyond. Yeah, and I really like the idea or the opportunity to just kind of debrief after a sermon. I think for a lot of folks in the CBC community, that's kind of what we miss is the opportunity. Like, we used to be able to just go downstairs, and we had something called Common Grounds where we would debrief and talk to each other. Um, and, and so. Eat. And eat. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Feed them and they will come. Um, and so we kind of, we don't have as many opportunities for that. So this might maybe be a tool to get that kind of conversation going. Um, yeah, so our first sermon is with Judge Wendell Griffin. Uh, what can y'all tell our listeners about Judge Griffin? He's cool. We like him a lot. <laughs> um, Judge Griffin is uh, a pastor of New Millennium Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he is also an Arkansas Circuit Judge, uh, which to begin with to me is a pretty fascinating combo there. Mm-hmm. Um, Marty and I met Judge Griffin a few years ago at an Alliance of Baptists gathering. And then at another one of those gatherings, um, I was telling you that like, a preacher that was supposed to come preach got snowed in where he lived and couldn't come. And at the last minute, Judge Griffin put together a sermon and preached it the next morning. And it was uh, amazing. Yeah, I mean, he just, he preached on the prodigal son. And he didn't just do the, you know, the main, the main themes that you see without it. I mean, he talked about the elder son and who, why he's not going to the party. And he made us think that we were the elder son because we're complaining about who's in the party. And it was just amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. Um, I find him fascinating in addition to this whole judge-pastor combo. Um, In 2017, Judge Griffin on Good Friday, which is the day that Christians remember Jesus being executed, Mm -hmm. um, he protested the death penalty by laying a gurney out in front of the Arkansas governor's mansion and laying on it. Um, And he's gotten a lot of flack for that. Mm -hmm. So he has since um, been banned by the Arkansas Supreme Court um, that he's no longer allowed to try death penalty cases. Um, But he's a, it's fascinating because like, I mean, that's a hardcore activist, right? Mm Mm-hmm to do that, to risk your career, to go lay on a gurney in front of the governor's mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also seems very gentle and playful as a human being. He is. Um, so it's just, he's just very intriguing. And I was telling you a little mm-hmm. while ago that I love that he signs his emails, hope fiercely, love boldly. <laughs> it's perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so he, um, hopefully by the time folks listen to this episode, they will have had the opportunity to listen to his whole sermon, but let's not shame anyone if they miss church this week. So let's see, can we give them the Cliff Notes version of what his sermon was about? Yes. Um, he talked about what the world needs is prophetic hope. Mm-hmm. Um, He used a passage in Ezekiel and a passage in Matthew. Um, And I'll probably let Robin dive into the Ezekiel because she kind of understands it a little bit better than I did. Um, But um, his main thing was uh, prophetic hope. Um, You have to be uh, messengers of hope being messengers mm-hmm. um, was the word that kind of caught me. Um, and I just never thought of hope being like, like I thought all the the prophets in the Old Testament, I didn't 
feel like they were carrying a message of hope. They were carrying a message of God's going to destroy you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the message that they were kind of carrying or a message of get your act together or um, something like that. It wasn't a very hopeful message mm-hmm. from the prophets. So it was intriguing that he said what the world needs is prophetic hope and he used the Ezekiel passage. Um, and, um, and then he says you need to see the hope around you. Are mm-hmm. you seeing messengers around you? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are some of the highlights that I took from it. Robin might have some more. Um, well, to dig into the Ezekiel a little bit, um, since you put me on the spot. Um, You're better at Old Testament than I am. So, Y'all can't see the side eye that's <laughs> happening in this room. It's amazing. <laughs> so the passage you used is part of Ezekiel's call. Mm-hmm. Uh, where God calls Ezekiel to go back and, and preach um, to the Israelites. Um, and I've, he, it's a warning. I mean, there's a lot of warning in that scripture that, that the people aren't going to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this description of, you know, don't be afraid of their words. Don't be afraid the briars and thorns are all around you and that you live among scorpions. I mean, that's some pretty good times. Harsh descriptions mm-hmm. of the people that Ezekiel is going back to. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought it was pretty fascinating that Judge Griffin connected um, a hopeful prophet with Ezekiel because a lot of people hypothesized that Ezekiel possibly was like, manic depressive Mm. or suffer from some form of clinical depression because it is a dark, dark book. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember we learned in seminary that at the big council, was it the Council of Yamnia? Is that the right one? The council where it was decided (laughs) like what would go, what books would go into the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, that, That it was decided that Ezekiel made the cut, that that book would go into the the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. but... If you weren't a priest, you weren't allowed to read it before you were 30. Interesting. Um, because it's just dark. Yeah. Um, it's so dark and it's weird, right? Like he, he cooks his bread on poo and <laughs> it's just strange. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, it was interesting to me to think of Ezekiel being a prophet who had prophetic hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think Judge Griffin, what I was seeing in there is I was intrigued by the fact that that he talked a lot about rebellion Mm -hmm. um, and he talked about, of course, the the people being rebellious, which is what the Old Testament prophets, right? That's that's why they were Mm -hmm. called, is the people were rebellious. Um, And so he was sending the prophet in there to kind of, expose right to reveal to the people their rebellion mm-hmm. um and there's there's hope like what, what what's the phrase that um you know we talk about being becoming disillusioned as though that's a bad thing right if you become disillusioned with the church then mm-hmm. you learn that it's really kind of crappy in some ways right um but when you're disillusioned, you can finally see something right. You can see the truth. Right. right. Yeah. And that's really what the prophets were, right? Mm-hmm. We tend to think of the prophets as being people that saw the future, but mm-hmm. really the prophets were people that saw differently, right? That the prophets could see the world as God sees the world. Mm-hmm. And they could see the problems in the world the way that God sees them. Whereas it's like everybody else is like, stuck yep. in the matrix so right a different perspective but it's it wasn't like a uh, like a future like it wasn't like this is this is going to be good for you if you change your ways it was like god is coming for you now change your ways like it's that different perspective right yeah like, and i think i think that's where the hope is right mm-hmm. that if we're disillusioned then we're no longer like with the blinders to the systems and the empire and all that kind of stuff, but we can see rightly. 
Right. And when we see rightly, we can then see the world the way that God wants it to be. Mm-hmm. And there's hope in that, right? That it, mm-hmm. you know, your shirt says it doesn't have to be this way, Marty. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. That's what the prophets were telling. Yeah. Yeah. It's It seems a lot of like seeing beyond what everybody else is sort of like stuck within. It's like bringing something new to what everybody is experiencing. And so, you know... Judge Griffin, like, he focuses on the fact that um, messengers of hope have to work in hellish times and they have to work with human people. And so, and a lot of what he seems to be focusing on, because he tells us, like, we're Ezekiel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he seems to be thinking, like, he's telling us, like, don't get messed up in the failings of humanity. It's all this, like, really, like, language focused on resilience. Because I think it is really hard to have a different opinion or a different perspective. And so he's like pushing for folks to be messengers of hope, people who are saying something that goes against what everybody else or what the normative is. And he's saying like, be resilient in the hellish times. Don't expect everybody to be super excited about it because it's hard to like push against the cultural norm and say something different, right? Yeah, Yeah. and I think the first part of that is actually seeing the difference, right? Mm -hmm. And then being bold enough to say something about it. Because it seems like those of us that have certain privileges in life are not really taught to see differently, right? If the system works for us, Mm -hmm. or we at least have the illusion that the system works for us. Right. Then it it takes some doing, right, to even be able to see the reality of how the systems aren't working. And then the next part is to actually be bold enough to say something against the things, particularly the things that we might benefit, benefit from. from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think also it's like the naming it like Mm -hmm. we call it out and we call out the injustice as an act of hope which Mm -hmm. i would never really think of it that way i'd be calling out as you are oppressing someone else you are doing something bad Mm -hmm. well that's not good news for the people who are oppressing but it's good it's hopeful for the people who are being oppressed right right but i don't think of it that way i think of it as like we got to right the wrong and but hope is in the middle of that where I never thought about seeing it in that dark place and recognizing it's one thing but then calling it out like what we were saying just a minute ago well that's different mm-hmm. and um, and I think hope has always been for me like this idea of good things to come mm-hmm. a better future better life a better uh, way of thinking you know future hope that's kind of and the new testament even um talks about that i mean romans says but if we hope for what is not seen we wait for patience like hope is always this distant future thing Mm -hmm. but i think what judge griffin has kind of brought to my attention is that hope is present and we need people to start calling out when we see that hope and letting people know that that's hope. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says the world needs people who know the human capacity uh, and propensity for hate, fear, and unbelief, and yet are willing to live and love as children of God. Like, it, I think it's like that. Like, yeah. he needs people that recognize the problems and are willing to, like, do the action that pushes against it that propensity Mm -hmm. in love in love yeah um yeah because i mean he also says like essentially prophetic hope is sort of like steeped and robin you were talking about this before we were recording um it's steeped in the idea of like shrewd and loving like practice right yeah so that was a word that judge griffin used Mm -hmm. right so that the sermon title is um about prophetic hope but towards the end of the message, he says something about shrewd hope. Um, and I think that connects with 
this this idea of of seeing the reality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not being oblivious um, to the reality of the situation, but finding hope in that, right? Not necessarily like you're saying. It's not this this far off distant thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, isn't there hope? Like if we see the things that are broken. And we see the possibility of making some of those things right and fixing them. That's not necessarily like a, a way off in the future right. hope. Like that's that's now. That mm-hmm. can be done. Right? Now. Like yeah. I can do something now to make my kids' lives better. Mm-hmm. Or I can do something now to make the world more fair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think that hope and truth are linked closer than I've realized. Mm-hmm. You know, like. The truth is that that is an injustice, and there's hope in that that we can make it better. And you know, that's that's brought to my attention that like, wow, how how much of my faith is built into confessing what is true, mm-hmm. what is right, what is just. But I've never looked at it as what is true, what is right, what is just, with hope being in those three things. And then living my life that way and pointing out that, yes, that is the truth of the situation and the justice. And here's what we can do about it. And in that, all of that is hope. Mm-hmm. And that's, I've never really thought about hope that way with this So message. this is kind of a bit of a segue, um, but I'm looking at your shirt that says it doesn't have to be this way. Um, and that shirt um, is produced by uh, a man named, an activist, another activist named Andre Henry. And he has a podcast that is entitled Hope and Hard Pills. Mm. Uh, And so the hard pills are the truths about racism and white supremacy and injustice. But he puts those things together. Um, So that's right in line with what what we're talking about, that of seeing the truth, the hard pills, uh, but the hope is right there with it. There, are, there's, there's opportunity. Mm. That things don't have to be this way. That things don't have to be this way. There's opportunity to make them better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think where a lot of Christians get stuck is that we see it, but we don't like draw attention to it. We don't speak to it. We don't say this is this is a truth of the situation, and it can be better. Mm-hmm. We just see that that's happening and we get lost and that's where we kind of bog down in our hope. Right. And that's kind of where his call for messengers of hope, right? Like messengers aren't silent. They have to actually, they have to go and they have to speak and that's, they have to have an audience, all of that. Um, Do y'all see any messengers of hope today? There's my softball question of the day. <laughs> it's a lie. Um, cashiers at the grocery store. Okay. So essential workers. Essential workers. Um, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I'd, I'd say the protesters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I know that not everybody will agree with that but there are people that are taking risk to expose violence and inequality and brutality um and they're doing so in a way that we can no longer ignore it mm-hmm. so that's that's yeah. prophetic to me mm-hmm. um I think some of like the younger generation, like our daughter Sophia, like talks about how TikTok is like making big changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't even like, I still don't understand TikTok, but she's telling us all this stuff that's happening mm-hmm. that's calling out injustice. Mm-hmm. And she gets fired up about it, you know? And I'm like, wow, good for you, Sophia. Yeah. TikTok, the messenger of hope. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that, you should make a, write a sermon about that. Right? TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, I have to finally understand TikTok. Though. I know. We'll have a whole TikTok first, podcast. It's like you make videos, right? On it. That that yeah. is true. I'll mm-hmm. make a video yeah. sermon of. Yeah, you should just make a whole sermon series on TikTok, right? 
How hip would y'all be? Mm. We would be probably Sophia might not so much. Be afraid, like she should not she have disown shown us. y'all what that was about. Um, so yeah, I think those are good ideas for like messengers of hope. I, you know, also, one. Sorry, go ahead. I also would say like all the like artists and musicians that are still creating mm-hmm. in this crazy time, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and giving us what we need, seeing beauty in this ugliness, um, mm-hmm. and still creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think those examples kind of point to this that concept of like the need to be shrewd, the need to have this like love sort of driving it. Um, and I think these are interesting, like very action oriented ways of thinking about hope. Um, but I I find one thing that happens a lot of times when Christians talk about hope. It starts to get into it like we have to make sure that we're talking about hope versus optimism, which mm-hmm. is something that Nadia Bowles Weber sort of teases out the difference. And she's very clear um, in her understanding of hope as being like she calls for defiant hope. Right. Um, and she says hope is not the same as optimism. Um, so how do you all see the difference between optimism and hope and why why does Christianity need hope more than optimism? What do you think? Well, to go off what kind of what Nadia Bowles Weber said is like, and what I was kind of linking to referencing before is like, hope has a, a truth to it mm-hmm. that we kind of base our lives in. Optimism is just really just hope, like thinking everything's going to turn out okay without really basing anything. They're just, this is what I want to happen mm-hmm. but I think our hope is rooted in in that truth of of you know what she said of we believe in you know a God resurrected um, and in that that's that's a confession that we have to make every day mm-hmm. um, she also goes on about like judge Griffin did and talks about like but we have to remind each other about that confession, that this mm-hmm. hope is a confession that has to be made. And it's based in truth. It's based in power and belief, um, knowing that we shall overcome. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, that's a very powerful confession for us as people of faith. Mm-hmm. I think that optimism, um, I associate optimism with a shallowness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, we've been talking about part of having hope or prophetic hope is seeing the reality of a current situation. Mm-hmm. I think that optimism can allow people to walk through life with the blinders on, never really seeing the reality. Just, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, 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 really like modern Christianity perpetuates that, right? That that optimism might be as all you need or as, as deep as it gets. And we have these real, you know, happy, happy songs about mm-hmm. how Jesus takes care of everything, but they don't necessarily acknowledge that things can be pretty hellacious. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, Judge Griffin says that too, right? Doesn't he say something about how we need the prophets in hellish times? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's that, right? Things can be bad. Things can actually be hellish. Right. Um, so so optimism, I don't think, makes space for that. It, it, it requires you to ignore the possibility that the glass actually sometimes is half empty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas I think that that hope is something deeper because hope does recognize the present hellishness, but hope can also find the something better, um, the something different, Mm -hmm. the something more loving, more whole. That there's a there there's a way that that can be found in the hellishness or maybe brought out of the hellishness. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I love the way uh, Nadia Bowles Weber kind of explains what you're saying. It's like she says she she referenced another theologian and says, you know, when the when like the hellishness is raging, it's raging because they know they've already lost because of our mm-hmm. hope. Mm-hmm. Like, and when we think things are so bad, mm-hmm. it's just the hellishness is just raging because they already know they lost. And she said, that's why we have to confess this hope that there is justice, there is a God, there is a resurrection mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what she calls a defiant. And that's what she calls defiant, right? Right, that there is, and to go back to Judge Griffin's language too, there is a rebelliousness mm-hmm. in declaring there is hope. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be this way. There is something better. We can, we can forge this and foment it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all like such a big call, right? And I think, don't you think it's kind of the call that the church sometimes sidesteps, right? I'm thinking about like, even in that Nadia Bowles-Weber like clip, like she says, she says this, like we need this confession. And then she says, and yet instead of that, I hear a lot of conversation about moral behavior and like how we ought to act. Um, And it makes me think about Barbara Brown Taylor who talks about, the idea of like solar spirituality like there's this idea that like faith and hope are like the happy sunshine club mm-hmm. like oh like she she talks about how like sometimes um solar churches will emphasize the benefits of faith in a way the where if members aren't like positive and happy and like it, it's just your faith's not working hard mm-hmm. enough if you aren't happy sunshine hopeful and but i think that might what happens in those contexts might be more of like this empty kind of call for optimism when the evidence like he's like uh judge wendell says the evidence isn't there like there's no evidence that we should be all that happy um if we bring that back to what you talked about marty the very beginning about spiritual formation having to do with like the togetherness and Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. that's Sometimes it, it, you know, I was thinking of Sherry saying this about, you know, when people aren't happy, um, oftentimes the church will say, well, yeah, your, your faith is weak, right? If your faith was stronger, you'd be hopeful. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that just sometimes life sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the beauty of having community is that when I find myself completely and utterly without hope, or unable to see the better way or the way out, that might be when you do have hope, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that you can either share your hope with me or you can even have hope for me, right? Mm-hmm. You can say, you you sit where you need to sit and I'm going to hope for you until we can hope together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think and, allowing that space for, people, for it to ebb and flow and to trust that the community is gonna have it as a whole not one person has to be all things all the time. And it yeah. like Barbara Brown Taylor, like she thinks about it in terms of a lunar kind of concept where like sometimes you're going to be bright full moon and sometimes you're going to be yeah. new moon darkness. Mm-hmm. And that's, but the and community I, keeps it from anybody having to carry it alone. Right. Maybe when think, there's new moon, other people are stars. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I also think that, uh, you know, I think Judge Griffin made another point where he said, you know, if you want to be a messenger of hope, maybe you see mercy. Mm-hmm. Well, then you be mercy. And then that's hope for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, it's like that Coke commercial that went a long time ago where, you, you know. You want to buy the world a Coke? No, not that no, far. That's okay. way back. Oh, that was way back. <laughs> Um, I'm the youngest person the, in the you know, room, and I'm taking it back. <laughs> somebody saw somebody do something good, so then they moved on, and they did something nice for somebody else, and you know, and then, and everybody had a coke in their hand, and you know, coke is hope, and you know, all that mm-hmm. good stuff, and um, and it was kind of that that you know snowball effect mm-hmm. to be a messenger of hope. Maybe you need hope in grace mm-hmm. then you go see where grace is and once you find it then you start being it mm-hmm. 
I like the idea of hope as like something we embody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, being it, it's very active. Um, I wonder if I can turn us to another version of hope um, that comes from another author that we love around the CBC community, which is Austin Channing Brown, uh, who we read her book "I'm Still Here" as a as a church, and one of the late chapters in that book, she really takes on hope in an interesting way that I think could be interesting for us to think about in context of Judge Wendell's um, idea of prophetic hope. Like she says that hopelessness and her have become good friends. And she spends a lot of time like looking at the fact that in her life, she's watched hope die. She says a thousand deaths. Um, And so she kind of starts to explore like, what do we have after hope has gone. And I think uh, where she's coming at with this is just like living in America, living in America, um, you know, as she puts it in a black body, um, she says a lot of times that doesn't, um, she says specifically talking about race in America is not usually a hopeful experience if you're black. And so she talks about, you know, hope dying a thousand deaths Um, And so she says that she has come to learn to rest in the shadow of hope, which is, she says, uh, knowing that we may never see the realization of our dreams and yet still showing up. So how can we bring prophetic hope and the shadow of hope together? Softball question two. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's what you said at the end. Still show up. Yeah. I mean, even in the shadows, it goes back to that confession. It goes back to defiance. Um, it's going back to being aware of where you see this hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think a lot of Christians get stuck in those shadows, mm-hmm. no doubt. And uh, we can't see. Uh, we definitely don't want to confess anything. And uh, it's like 10,000 nights without a day. You just get tired. Mm-hmm. And, but it's, it's that last part. Keep showing up. Mm-hmm. I also think that there... So there, there was an... In, um, Austin Channing Brown has uh, an interview with Barbara Neal Salter, another mm-hmm. woman of color, black mm-hmm. woman who's an author... And they talked about hope in in this video. And I remember part of that conversation was about Ta-Nehisi Coates Mm -hmm. and how every time he is interviewed, white people love to ask him, so what about hope? Um, And so I wonder if there is something about when someone else is experiencing the shadow of hope, people who don't have that experience asking themselves why. Mm -hmm. Instead of expecting that person to change and experience a hope that makes me comfortable, Mm which is really optimism Mm -hmm. to say why is it that someone whose experience or life is different from mine might be spending a lot of time in the shadows of hope Um, Mm -hmm. and letting that be okay and perhaps letting that be an invitation for us to move from the blinders of optimism to seeing more clearly, shrewdly. Oh gosh, so maybe is that how we both end up finding hope, right? Mm -hmm. Is it maybe when there's community of someone experiencing the shadows of hope and somebody really experiencing optimism that they think is hope, that by seeing each other clearly, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. that's where the changes come that 
maybe pull us both closer to actual hope. Like we yeah, can both be messengers for each other in a way. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Inter- or at least illuminators. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that optimism can be seen easier in the shadows than hope can. That boggles my mind a little bit. Explain that. Well, if hope is like this this resilient, defiant core of our faith, when we're in the shadows, it's easier to see the optimism, what, what could be better for me, what I long for. And we, we can dream about that, but it's hard for us to see it. But I think what Hope is telling us is that we got to look for it now. Mm-hmm. And optimism is telling us, no, it, it's going to come later. Mm. And I think, um, yeah, I think optimism is easier to find in the shadows than hope because we don't want to look. We just want to think about what's going to be better. And it hope kind of, is harder. Hope yeah. is harder. It requires more work and defiance. Mm-hmm. And resilience right? and showing yeah. up. And optimism takes current you like out of the picture. Like you can be like, well, future me. You know, like it puts all this onus on the future and like, well, things will get better. I'll one day it'll be okay. But like if you want to stay in hope, you have to be present in it and you have to be thinking about your current actions and how does that contribute? Instead of optimism, you know, it's just like, well, maybe one thing maybe one day it'll stop raining. Like you don't have an active role in optimism. Like yeah. you're just kind of being like Mm-hmm. It becomes escapism as opposed to that engaging, yes. right? Yeah, exactly. You know, the scriptures, the scriptures were like, be prepared to go through the thorns, right? Um, the Matthew passage talked about... Um, be, be prepared as you go into... Oh, what does it say? I know. It's, Y'all don't have the whole Bible memorized? He almost does. This Bible is amazing. Drill Marty. Yeah. He's the one I always have to go to. Where's this He's verse? still trying to like live in the fact that he didn't win that one time. He's like, I'm going <laughs> to figure know. it out. I had to memorize the Bible after that defeat, but I forgot that passage. So. Mm-hmm. Do you have it written down? It was I don't. Matthew I, I'm what? trying to find it in the... If we stall long enough, Marty can find it. <laughs> we'll banter like... I didn't write down what it was. I know it's Matthew, but I don't remember what chapter and verse... That's okay. I thought that was in your notes. That's fine. That's fine. Maybe I do have it in my notes. Let me see. Um, well, everybody should just go back and watch the sermon. Clearly. That's and right. And you will hear the Matthew. <gasps> Matthew 10, 16. Matthew go 10, Bible 16. Drill. Robin won today's Bible I can't tell Bible you what drill. it says. I have to Google well, it. We're in a church. We got a Bible somewhere. Surely there is a Bible. <laughs> There's literally a stack of them I'm saying, right I'm about next to, to Marty. Uh oh. Oh, I'm sending you out like sheep to the slaughter. Boom. Boom. Yeah. You lost again, Bible boy. Exactly. I was going Robin to say Robin has but... dropped her mic literally. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I will take another defeat. Mm. But I forgot the whole point of that. It's away from <laughs> what the, did the Bible verse say? Well, the, the reality, right? You were talking about like all the dreaminess, and it's like, no, Optimism. hope is in the midst of, you know, I'm gonna sheep's you out going to out the slaughter. slaughter. And yeah, that's where hope stuck is. In the right? thorns. Yeah. And maybe hope is in the shadows where you're standing, and you just can't see it there either. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, because I think the key is that you have to live in the hellish times. Like, we, we don't look back at history and say, oh, there was that cute time where there weren't hellish times. Like, you look through the Old Testament, hellish time after hellish time. You look at today, hellish times. Um, nobody gets to opt out of hellish times. But I think, you know, all of this conversation just keeps reminding me of, like, the concept of spiritual bypassing. Like, we use faith mm-hmm. to, like, let ourselves off the hook for the hard stuff. And I think that's kind of what optimism can be. Um, but instead, like, hope is like, live in, the, live in the hard times, live in the hellish times. So it's not mm-hmm. escapism, right? right? A lot of us attend to approach faith as though it can be escapism. Right. And it's not. This is it's not. It's having faith, hope in the midst of the hell yes. when we can't or choose not to escape. Right. Yeah, hope is another characteristic that you got to work on just as much as love. 
Mm -hmm. just as much as faith in God. Yeah. It's, you have to work on it. Mm -hmm. That's why spiritual formation in a community is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, I, I love this conversation. I feel like it makes like, it makes hope the hard work, not just the the doughy thing that we have like cute little signs about like i have faith hope and love yeah you do that's hard work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah like that the love chapter in corinthians at the end it says you know faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love well hope is not like hope is gritty mm -hmm. hope is messy hope is hard yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, we have scripture that shows us how hard love is, right? Like, love is patient. Dang it, really? Does it have to be? Like, we, it's almost like we need the scripture that says, hope is hard. Here are the things it is. Hope is yes. gritty. Hope yeah. is defiant. But we also have to realize that hope can sustain us if we're willing to look. Mm -hmm. You know? But I tend to think that love is at the root of hope. Like, I, yeah. I would imagine it's pretty hard to find hope if you don't love. I agree with that, Why too. would you, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's interesting. So, And it, truth. Right. Like, what we believe in is based in our hope. Mm-hmm. Shrewd and loving. That's what we need to be. Judge Griffin. Mm-hmm. His end to his emails, hope fiercely, love boldly. Yes. It's mm. a good way to go out. I wonder if he'll mind if we steal that as the sign off for this podcast. <laughs> we'll quote him if we do. Yeah. As Wendell Griffin says. Well, this has been great. This has been great. <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for giving in and giving us a CBC podcast. Thanks for dreaming it, making it happen. Yeah. And special thanks to Paul Fitzgerald, who's sitting over there at a soundboard, making sure that we sound delightful. And that you can't ever But he doesn't have a microphone, so you can't hear him respond. He just it's has to accept the effort. things. Indeed. Woohoo. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. <laughs>